Hi there, I'm Adam Leventhal and welcome to another edition of the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcast with the return of the 2019-20 season only days away now. We're releasing 20 shows on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. So that is two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of our 30-day free trial uh, simply by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the season makes its return. Now in this episode we're taking a look at Chelsea fourth in the Premier League three points ahead of Manchester United and hanging on to their place in this season's Champions League by a thread after a 3-0 loss to Bayern Munich in their last 16 first leg. And of course, we must mention the impending signing of Timo Werner as well. Joining us to talk through the Blues agenda is the Athletics Chelsea writer and co-host of the Straight Out of Cobham podcast, Liam Toomey. It's been a busy few days, hasn't it, Liam? It has, it has, although a kind of refreshing um, burst of news I think Chelsea wise after what's been a kind of unsettlingly quiet couple of months obviously with no games and, and not a ton happening off the pitch either yeah let's deal with that that Timo Werner story then first of all because I want to ask you another question about how it might have an impact even though he's not going to be there in a moment but how is he going to fit in to the team yeah I think it's really interesting one of the most interesting things about Chelsea's pursuit of another attacker in this transfer window was that all the players they looked at most closely um, you're talking about Dries Mertens Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and obviously Timo Werner are all converted wingers so it's clear the brief was they wanted a forward who could play up front instead of Abraham but also play potentially with him maybe off the left wing maybe as a second striker so what Werner does is he gives Lampard some really interesting tactical options I think to maybe slot him into some of the systems we've already seen, kind of on the left of a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, and maybe do a couple of things that we haven't seen Lampard do tactically at Chelsea yet, which is maybe play a couple of two striker formations with with Werner kind of buzzing around Abraham. And I think it gives Chelsea a lot more options. It clearly gives them one of the most accomplished and dangerous um, goal scorers in European football. And that's why... When, you, when you've been looking around social media at, at Chelsea fans over the last few days, there's an awful lot of excitement about this one. And what impact then is it going to have on the likes of Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud? Because it has the potential to have a positive impact because they're going to want to say to their manager, don't think about dropping me. Yeah, it does. And I think it, particularly if you're Tammy Abraham, this is a a signing that has the potential to mean a lot of different things for you, really. You could understand him being maybe a little bit apprehensive because it's clear that for that kind of money and given the profile that Timo Werner has already built up in Germany and the interest that was in him um, from Liverpool and other major European clubs, he will be coming in expecting to start. And the, the feeling around Chelsea is that what that means for Abraham is partly up to him. They want him to feel pushed. They want him to, to feel like he has to keep improving to become the the kind of top striker leading the line at a top club that he's shown flashes of, of maybe being able to become this season. And, you know, they will point to the fact that, that, that Werner tactically can fit around him rather than instead of him. And it will be up to Abraham to make sure that is the case rather than him sitting on the bench and, and watching Werner play. But 
There is also in the background of all of this Tammy Abraham's unsigned contract. Those talks have been going on for quite a few months now without much tangible progress. And it wouldn't surprise me in light of this to see Abraham maybe wait and park the contract discussion until next season or at least until he's had an opportunity to to talk in a bit more detail with Lampard about what his plans are because he probably doesn't want to get himself into a position that he he can't get out of in terms of being a little bit sidelined. In terms of Olivier Giroud, I interpreted that that one-year extension at the time as basically a, a pragmatic move on both parties. Giroud has, has already said that if it weren't for the pandemic, he, he might have made a different decision. I think the same is true of Chelsea. They both, they've both bought themselves a little bit of certainty in an otherwise very uncertain time. The one that I think we could be most sure of the impact on is, is Michy Batshuayi. And it was pretty clear, even before Chelsea moved for Werner, that Batshuayi wasn't in Lampard's plans. And Werner's arrival only underlines that. He's got a year left on his contract. And I expect Chelsea to be quite aggressive in, in looking to move him on this summer. So there are going to be plenty of subplots for these final games for Chelsea going on in the background, whether it makes it interesting or unsettling, we, we will find out. Um, obviously, before lockdown, Chelsea were, were, were doing very well under Frank Lampard. Fourth would have been exactly where he would have been hoping to at least when he took over at the beginning of the season and that's in spite of these long periods of inconsistency as well so where do you think his mind is in terms of how well he is doing and where Chelsea can now finish? Yeah I think there's a general sense not not just from Lampard but from everyone else around Chelsea that they are on track fourth was always um, well top four was always the the undisputed priority for this season and I think given the fact that they lost Hazard, couldn't replace him, have had to kind of really rebuild this team around youth and a, and a new kind of philosophy throughout the club. If they're to come out of that with an established young core of players and Champions League football, that's that's a really encouraging thing. What we saw, as you referenced prior to the shutdown, is that this is quite a low quality race for fourth place, um, even by maybe last season standards where... There were a lot of the big teams slipping up. We, you know, United have been a bit of a mess. Arsenal and Spurs have both changed managers, so it's it, it's been a tricky one. And we don't really know how the shutdown will impact the different clubs and 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 who will hit hit the ground running. We do know that players that were scheduled to to miss large chunks of the rest of the season could potentially be back in play now. Namely, of course, Harry Kane, but also potentially. And Golo Kante for Chelsea if they can allay his fears about playing in these conditions. What you can say about Chelsea is they they look like they just about steadied the ship prior to the shutdown with the help, of course, of Billy Gilmore's emergence. They have a deep squad, if not necessarily quite as much top line talent as you as Lampard would like, um, and so they are quite well placed to 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 navigate what will probably be a sprint in terms of lots of games quite close together after fairly minimal prep time. 
I'm still fairly confident that they'll they'll hang on to fourth, but they will face uh, quite a bit of competition in those final weeks. You mentioned N'Golo Kante there. What's your current understanding of his, his situation and, and the likelihood that he will feature? Well, Chelsea are dealing with his situation very sensitively. And... Um, I think they've made it clear from the start that they're not going to rush him. They're they're talking to him. They're trying to re- reassure him. I mean, the the core of his concerns is not necessarily the precautions that Chelsea are taking. He trusts the club to look after him and look after his teammates. The core of his concerns is he doesn't know what other clubs are doing and whether they're adhering to the same standards. But when you then look around and see that you know there are there are minimal positive tests in the most recent rounds of testing and that those tests are happening regularly. That can only help, I think, Chelsea's case in in, in, in saying to Kante, look, there will never be zero risk in this, but um, we are we are doing everything we can to minimise it to an, to an acceptable degree. And beyond that, it's difficult to know what, what's in Kante's mind, but I think they're still hopeful of having him play a significant role in the final stretch of the season, but they also don't want to be seen to to be kind of brushing aside or minimising his concerns. One other area I wanted to ask you about, and it, it won't necessarily help um, this season for these remaining games, but it might still have an impact, is is the search for a left-back and the, the very clear interest in, in Leicester's Ben Chilwell. I mean, how likely do you think this is going to happen? And do you think that he will make a significant difference and will almost uh, get a, a glimpse for these final games into why he is so desired by Frank Lampard and, and the powers that be at the club? Yeah, I think Chelsea reached a point quite a while ago where they they concluded that left-back was probably the position in the starting 11 that is easiest to upgrade. It's, it's pretty clear that neither Marcus Alonso nor Emerson are core parts of of Lampard's plans going forward. And it wouldn't shock me to see both leave in the next transfer window. I I think at least one of them will. Uh, In terms of Chilwell, Lampard really, really likes him. Age-wise, he he fits this Chelsea squad well. He he fits the the profile of the type of player that Lampard is looking for. A a fast, technically good defender who can... can attack as well as defend his position. I think there's a will on all sides, or at least there's a there's a will on Chelsea's side and a will on Chilwell's side for this to happen. And on Leicester's side, I think they accept that he's probably going to go this summer and they are already planning for that eventuality. But you're already also seeing the posturing of, we're very happy with him, we've got no desire to sell. And it's it's very obvious that that Leicester will will try to do with him what they did with Harry Maguire and Manchester United and and get absolutely the maximum return for him. I don't get the sense that the clubs are particularly close in terms of their valuations at the moment so that could be the sticking point and at the same time you have other potential options that left back on the market you know you look at Nicolas Tagliafico at Ajax, Alex Tellez at Porto, both players Chelsea have looked at who may be available for less money. So he's clearly, Chilwell is clearly Chelsea's first choice. Um, I would still say it's more likely than not to happen, but we can't rule out that there may be a point where they, they also look elsewhere. And what is, the, what is the fee that's being mentioned at the moment? Well, it seems to be the, the figure coming out of Leicester is around the kind of 80 million 
bracket that they got for Maguire from Manchester United. And as well as being a, a kind of ambitious fee in any context, it does also seem to be quite a, a, a pre-pandemic price. So I, I don't get the impression that Chelsea will be looking to pay that. I, I think maybe something like 40, 50 million would be a bit more realistic from Chelsea's perspective. Now that is a lot of ground to make up between the two clubs, which is why I, I, I don't think these negotiations will be easy. But given how much Chelsea like him, given the fact that I think Chilwell seems ready to move on and given the fact that I think Leicester as, as a smart club recognise the fact that he, he is probably on his way out and are already planning for that eventuality, that makes me think that the, this deal is still more more likely than not to happen. It's just probably going to be a, a slightly difficult one to negotiate. So that's a likely incoming. What about the, the futures of some of the other players that may well be leaving? I know you've mentioned Emerson and Alonso, the likes of Willian and Pedro, and there has been rumours about Jorginho potentially uh, being reunited with Maurizio Sarri, who who really, really did sort of build everything around him when he took over at Stamford Bridge. Are they three players that you expect to be there next season? Well, I think Pedro will go. And I think that, that only looks more likely now after um, Timo Werner's signing. Willian, unless he's willing to back down from his demand for a three-year extension, it looks very likely that he will leave and, and maybe go to another London club because he definitely wants to stay in London. Jorginho is a very interesting one because... Everything we've heard from him and the occasions when his agent has been quoted in the Italian media have suggested that he's very happy at Chelsea. You get the impression he's actually quite enjoyed the opportunity to emerge from Maurizio Sarri's shadow and not just be seen as the, the symbol of Sarri ball. He's 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 won over Chelsea fans this year and, and emerged as a, a, a really good player in his own right. And um, But at the same time, Sarri obviously really likes him and, and considers him fundamental to the style of football that he wants to play. The The backdrop to all of this, obviously, is that Chelsea don't sell low. They paid £50 million for for Jorginho in the summer of 2018 and I don't think they would sell him on for, for any less than that, even though he's a little bit older now. And we just don't know what kind of money Juventus or any other clubs around Europe will be will be throwing around in this in this transfer window. That that uncertainty conditions everything. In terms of what Chelsea have done uh, this season, I suppose it, it would be easy to to forget how transformational Frank Lampard's um, appointment was in terms of him bringing in so many young players into the side after you know previously having spent a lot of money. He decided obviously due to the, the fact that there wasn't uh, the ability to, to sign players in the transfer window, uh, that uh, younger players were going to come in, the likes of Abraham and Mount and James and, and Tamori and more. Do you think the, the reflections on this season so far uh, will be that it has been a positive step and that those young players are, are here to stay? Yeah, I think when when the dust settles on this season, particularly if they do end up qualifying for the Champions League, I think the the conclusion from both inside the club and from outside the club among supporters will be that they've they've secured the top four in the best possible way because not only have they got the immediate priority in the bag, but they've also set this squad up really well for the future. You know, you've now got 
six or seven really talented academy players established at least in the squad and a couple of them are established as as regular starters on merit and if even only two or three of those guys go on to become genuine world-class footballers that's something that you can really build around and I think Chelsea as a club sense that they have a unique opportunity now with this academy wave with the money that they have built up from a couple of the sales over over the last year or two Morata and Hazard um, to invest smartly around this group and build what could be a, a special team over the next two to three years. I don't think they expect to challenge for the title next year, not unless there's some serious regression from Liverpool and, and maybe Manchester City as well. But they, I think they expect to be making progress. And when you look two, three years down the line, when, when these guys have a bit more experience and you've had more transfer windows to add around them, there is now a real opportunity to to build the next great Chelsea team. And and Lampard has has made a lot of progress this year in terms of overseeing that by empowering these young players and, and giving them that stage to establish themselves. So having said that, is is the bare minimum going into next season to, to ensure that there is something to sort of kick on with, whoever that the personnel is? Is it fourth place? It has to be that. And then if you can get the garnish of, of the FA Cup more likely the Champions League more unlikely that would be that would just be a bonus winning a trophy this season would be amazing and it would I think it would put this young group arguably ahead of schedule um, in terms of establishing that winning mentality I mean La- Lampard saw firsthand what winning the League Cup in in 2005 did for for that team under Jose Mourinho and, and the springboard it provided towards greater successes so I think he knows what the importance of establishing that winning mentality but you can never bank on winning a cup competition and as you said you know they're, they're pretty much out of the Champions League already after that first leg against Bayern so the priority is fourth place if they can get if they can secure that make sure they're in the Champions League next year then you give yourself the opportunity to one give these young players another season to test themselves on the best stage in Europe against the very best teams and and get really accelerate their experience and their development in that way. But you also, by virtue of being in that competition, uh, give yourself an opportunity to sign better players around them and accelerate the development of the team in that way. Um, So in both senses, I think you'll never hear Lampard describe fourth place as a trophy. He doesn't want to make that kind of um he doesn't want to, to to blur that distinction but i think he considers it f- absolutely fundamental to to everything he's planning with chelsea on and off the pitch liam it's been great to get your thoughts ahead of the restart of the season. Chelsea's first game is against Aston Villa, uh, which will be a challenge in itself because they are fighting uh, at the other end. Um, thank you very much for your time. To the listeners, if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy all of Liam's Uh, articles on Chelsea. You can currently take advantage of a 30-day free trial if you want to try it out before committing to a full subscription. Uh, And then you can enjoy all of the best football writing as the Premier League returns. Keep an eye on this podcast feed and the Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts, each one dedicated to a different team. We'll see you for the next one.